Welcome to QUT Exec Insights, brought to you by QUTX, professional and executive education for the real world. I'm your host, Kate Joyner. With me in our recording studio is a colleague, Mal Thatcher. Mal joined QUTX in 2019 as Professor of Digital Practice. Before he joined the team here, Mal had a long career in the hospital and healthcare sector. He was Chief Information Officer of MITRE Health in Brisbane for 10 years and also took roles of Chief Health Information Officer with Queensland Health and CEO of eHealth. His PhD was focused in digital risk and governance. With some of our previous podcast guests, including Professors Marek Kowalkiewicz, Michael Roseman and Kerry Mengerson, Mal is establishing the QUT Digital Capability Practice, a community for digital thought leadership, lifelong learning and partnership. Our conversation today will focus on what's ahead for this new venture and all things digital capability. Have I got that right, Mel? <laughs> all things digital capability? Yes, yeah. perfect, Kate. Yeah, so that's what you've been come on board to do and you came on board as Professor of Practice, which is actually a new designation in the university. We haven't actually had Professors of Practice as such before. Tell us about that role and why you're uh, excited to come and join. Thanks, Kate, and it's wonderful to be here with you today. The Professor of Practice, I'm still working out what that role is, to <laughs> be honest. I think we all are, <laughs> Yes. Uh, whilst it is new to QUT, it is actually uh, quite common overseas and is being established uh, quite prevalently within the Australian university sector. So what it really recognises is that the world of higher education is changing. The need for just-in-time learning and uh, closer linkages with industry and what industry require is um, providing an opportunity for industry to be more directly engaged at university level and hence the role of professor of practice. So the professorial appointment is not a traditional academic trajectory. It is certainly based on, uh, for, for my particular example, having come from industry for nearly 40 years in technology and having held senior roles in technology and bring that industry experience insight and uh, ultimate linkages into industry uh, into uh, an academic setting. So I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity because uh, being a new role for QUT, it gives me great latitude to actually define what this role is and uh, to follow my passion, which is about digital risk and governance and how to uplift capability in this particular domain. Yeah, very exciting um, and emerging area, uh, which has the attention uh, of you know, research and teaching across the university. So we've said that um, we actually have already um, uh, had conversations with Marek Kowalkiewicz, who's um, also has a concentration in all things digital, Kerry, who's uh, very focused on the possibilities of data, um, and also Michael Roseman, who, you know, who's colleague with Marek and also interested in digital capability and leadership. So together, um, you've got this uh, exciting new initiative, so the Digital Capability Practice. Um, so what together um, are you hoping to achieve through the, the digital capability practice? Our approach to this uh, and calling it a practice is really recognising that across the university there is significant capability in digital. We look at all our faculties, whether it be in education, health, law, creative industries, uh, traditionally of course business and science and uh, engineering, we find that we have deep pockets of capability in digital. So QTX role is to bring that capability together uh, to be able to present a coherent and cohesive product offering to the market. 
So what we find is that whilst we have great thought leadership from uh, at the professors that you've uh, indicated, uh, we also have some deep capability in some of the other faculties which we think we can create that thought leadership, uh, cohesively present that to industry, but also start to focus on the how of digital capability because a lot of that thought leadership is why it's important, what, what it looks like, and uh, what organisations are really struggling with is how to do it. And that's what the digital capability practice is focusing on. Yes, yeah, so um, as you've th thought about um, how we might engage with industry, what would be some of the, the planks of the practice um, that we, we would hope to share with organisations? So I, I would imagine there might be a learning and capability uh, opportunities, some opportunities to go into organisations and help with some of their processes and practice, so maybe advisory, um, those sort of ideas? Yes, so we're looking at uh, a number of pillars that underpin the structure of the digital capability practice. Uh, teaching and learning is obviously a core strength of QUT and we will leverage that. What we uh, have identified and in discussions with our customers is that there is a competency gap and uh, we're looking to build a competency framework in three specific domains. So first, we, what we refer to as the digital citizenship, and that is looking at competencies across the entire enterprise. So all staff uh, about the new age skills that digital require. And that can be everything from basic digital literacy, uh, information management, cyber awareness and vigilance, how to use multiple different types of devices. Uh, so how to contribute as a, I guess, a functioning citizen in a, in a digital enterprise. The second domain is around digital transformation. And this is where the rubber hits the road. So all organisations are on a digital transformation journey, whether they think they are or not. And that's just where we are in 2020. So this is about how to upskill competencies on delivering digital transformation at a middle management level. And then the third domain is around digital leadership. So how do executives, chief executives and boards grapple with this issue about digital disruption, digital transformation, driving new business models, and then planning for and executing on those strategies? So digital capability, what I'm hearing is that there's, uh, there's part of the digital capability agenda that everyone in an organisation needs to engage with at some level. So you may not think that your role uh, will be impacted by digital, but in fact, we all do and we all need to understand uh, how to be a digital citizen, as you say. And then there's some more specific um, and possibly strategic um, capabilities that as we move um, higher up in the organisation, we have to um, have a mindset for and, uh, and skill sets um, to embrace that and to see what the possibilities are for transformation of our organisation. Um, I probably completely <laughs> re-paraphrase what you say, but that's what I've heard. Am I on the right track? Absolutely, Kate. Mm. And what we're seeing is that uh, if you think about your own personal life and the digital immersion that, that you experience every day, and we're also now seeing uh, a generation of digital natives entering the workforce and their expectation. So we have to find the, the right blend of skills at, uh, at all levels of the organisation to make sure that they're prepared for what is now a very accelerated world of change. 
Uh, we've been through the third industrial revolution, which is the information age or the, the age of the World Wide Web and how that's transformed uh, the ability to deliver services and get access to information. But, you know, the fourth um, industrial revolution is about the, the convergence of machines with technology and with humans. So we are very much uh, uh, required and organisations are really grappling with this huge increase in speed of change. So we have to have the right skills and we have to have the right mindset around innovation. What does it mean to be uh, fail fast but move quickly on opportunities? And it doesn't matter if you're in government or in the private sector or the not-for-profit sector. The challenges are there for all of those groups. What I've heard too about the first, fourth industrial revolution, it was actually Alan Kohler, <laughs> that great management pundit, <laughs> Alan Kohler, who said that um, what we don't understand about the fourth industrial revolution, while it's about uh, digital everything and everywhere, he said that the real core of it is that the customer centricity, um, that we, we think that we are customer centric, but the organisations that are truly customer centric and getting all the advantages, all the leverage available in artificial intelligence are the ones who are going to win, certainly in market facing uh, firms. So that um, digital um, and the availability of data, as Kerry has taken us through, gives us that strategic advantage if we can leverage data and be truly customer centric. Absolutely. And there are three big drivers of disruption at the moment. So one that you pointed to, which is the customer. And it doesn't matter if you're uh, Apple or one of the big tech companies or a retailer uh, or in manufacturing, you know. Or community-centred organisations. community-centred organisations. Mm. The, the role of the customer in human-centred design and actually the voice of the customer is so critical. So that's definitely a big driver. And part of it has been through the internet democracy, the drive for customers to now be empowered through mobile devices and access to information. The second big one is data. So organize, you know, the, the future greatest tangible asset that will be on the balance sheet of organizations will be data. Today it's an intangible, but it is very quickly moving and there are models are moving towards data being a, a tangible asset. And in the future, I predict it will be the only tangible asset of organisations. Uh, and then the, the third is this huge drive to automation and artificial intelligence and machine learning. It is accelerating incredibly rapidly in most sectors. So if you bring those three together, organisations really need to get ahead of the curve to make sure that they're riding that wave of innovation, they're riding that wave of digital disruption rather than being swamped by that wave. Mm. And I think uh, what we're trying to achieve here at QTX with the digital capability practice is give you the skills and the competencies to be able to ride that wave. That's So that kind of brings us into um, we've said that this is uh, – the cap digitally capable, capable organisation, um, the one that who can ha harness the benefits, the, the harness the, the power of data, um, use um, artificial intelligence um, skillfully. Um, how? What is the actual state of play? So it's very hard to get a fix on um, what organisations are actually doing, Mal, in this space. Um, and I get a sense that there's um, there's mature organisations, and of course we can point to the the Facebooks and the Googles and the Apples. Um, in that domain, but your standard, 
why you say your standard organisation? But, well, I'll, pu- I'll put it again. Um, how are we travelling in Australia? What, it, what is the actual state of play in digital transformation of organisations? It's a great question, Kate, because uh, it's happening at different levels and different intensities. So the sectors that are being most disrupted at the moment are partic- uh, particularly in retail. So... Uh, we're going to see a lot of brands disappear and we're seeing it now. Mm. You know, you We've actually already had um, Gary Mortimer <laughs> speak to us about retail transformation, absolutely. Yeah. So just to bring in some of our previous uh, interviews. Definitely. Mm. So I think uh, if you look at just about every sector, there's degrees of disruption. But I want to focus a little bit on government mm-hmm. because uh, government is in, uh, to some extent, they're at a crossroads around their digital transformation journey because the challenge they really have is understanding what is digital government moving forward. And um, our our own thought leaders within QUT have done a great job at expressing what digital government might look like in the future. The real challenge around digital government is um, understanding the role of the citizen because ultimately when you think about the basis of government, you know, that social contract where citizens forego certain liberties on the basis that they're going to be kept safe and that there's going to be order and uh, anarchy won't rule. So a big component of that is trust. And governments in, in Australia, you just look at the amount of change every time we go to the polls, that signals that there is a lack of trust in government. So digital has this wonderful opportunity and perhaps a unique opportunity to establish trust, re-establish trust with citizens uh, by government. And uh, part of that is about how you develop a multi-channel approach to the way in which you engage citizens. And the challenge that governments have traditionally had in this space is that they think about the citizen journey as being these discrete interactions and engagements and touch points with government. But that's not how citizens view their uh, particular engagement with government. So government needs to start thinking laterally about the end-to-end experience and life journey of a citizen through government services. My background coming from health, it was it's very clear the disconnectedness between the components of the health system. And I think government needs to start thinking about how do we put the, the citizen at the centre of the digital journey uh, irrespective of the touch points. So... The problem with that is that government is traditionally very siloed. So how do you bring government organisations together? And this is the future of enterprise. It's about team-based thinking and team-based organisational structure, not thinking about uh, traditional siloed structures of operations and maintenance and support and, you know, it's it's how do we actually bring teams together and team-based structures will, I think, be very prominent in the future and government needs to get their head around that. Soloing agencies into particular disciplines and, and uh, services is not the, the way of future digital government. Yes, we've seen some uh, government agencies, I think, um, actually physically set up um, their workplaces to support a team-based um, environment. Uh, so that's um, d- does it actually require that really physical change to enact some sort of different kinds of team-based workplace practices or can you take a legacy um, uh, organisation and uh, try to invigorate with some of these new practices? What's, what's from your experience, what do you think? 
I think if you want that uh, the outcome and the process to be authentic, you have to physically change the structure. You can't uh, simply have a community of practice try to come together to solve a problem. Uh, and that's because, you know, ultimately government's quite authoritarian in the way in which it uh, structures its workforce. So you have to give structural authority to the, that particular work project or uh, outcome that you're seeking. So I think it does require a different way of thinking in the way in which teams are brought together and the, the structural authority of that team in terms of its uh, constituent agency, for example, or who it's ultimately accountable to. Mm. Um, just going back to um, some of the aspects of this digital, uh, the, the capability practice, and we talked about um, building competencies, um, particularly for the, uh, the digital citizen, which I think we've established as the foundation. Um, so uh, what are the best ways for organisations to think about building these competencies? For example, um, will they come and do a workshop uh, like face-to-face or will there be sort of embedded workplace learning enabled obviously by, um, you know, digital learning tools. How do you, what's your vision uh, for how organisations might best affect that? If you think about the three domains that I talked about, so digital citizenship, digital transformation, digital leadership, uh, there's an impact curve to those. So the highest impact sits with leadership and then it sort of tails back to the digital citizen. So I think when we're looking at how to uplift competencies at the whole of organisation level, it has to be a micro-learning approach. Uh, you can't bring, you know, in the case of my previous organisation, the Department of Health in Queensland, 100,000 staff to a workshop. So uh, it does need to be uh, look at innovative ways of delivering that content and uh, ways that are very engaging as well because, as you know, to sit through, you know, a piece of micro-learning online, uh, you want it to, to be an engaging thing. And uh, what I would love to see is that some of these really important core competencies become part of mandatory education within organisations. And cyber is, is a great example of that, that cyber awareness and your role in keeping information secure is really critical. Mm. So I think we're grappling with that. Uh, it, th- this is another sort of area of learning curve about um, engaging work-based um, micro-learning. So uh, I think we're going up that learning curve, but um, I, um, I'm imagining something uh, that uh, very much uh, it also incorporates um, artificial intelligence. So that um, an algorithm would know how much you've achieved, um, what kind of areas you have strength in, where you need um, some sort of uplift and will direct you um, to that kind of uh, content um, and also show you what's possible next um, without having to physically search that. Um, I'd imagine that the brave new world of, of learning. I've seen some great examples of what the future of digital learning can look like in regard to virtual and augmented reality and I think that will be a, a big part of how we improve that engagement and how individuals are going through that learning process. Yeah, we certainly have um, our VR uh, equipment set up here. Uh, I think uh, we're still on the learning curve about how we can best incorporate um, that kind of learning uh, into our, you know, establishment work-based, uh, workplace, uh, you know, workshop-based learning, um, but how um, organisations might also 
um, use that. That's quite exciting. Yeah, there's lots of, I, I think there's all sorts of wonderful possibilities um, with virtual learning. Um, and uh, it'd be great for, um, you know, lots of organisations to join us in that learning curve, I suppose. We all have to learn, um, practice and um, share reflections together, I think. is You have to join hands, uh, I think, uh, Mal. Yes, definitely. Mm. And as we go up that curve towards, you know, the executive leadership development and uh, digital leadership, the ability to uh, immerse those leaders into case studies and real-world situations I think becomes really powerful. And that's why we called it uh, a practice. Um, I think it has, you know, the potential for um, everyone to be able to engage, organisations uh, to come and engage with us wherever they are <laughs> in that learning curve and to learn with other organisations. I think that's the promise. So, um, you know, if organisations want to um, take that um, experience with us and learn together, which would be our fondest hope, um, how, would, how would they best do that, Mel? So a key pillar of our digital capability practice is around community. And uh, we see that whilst QT has some wonderful thought leadership and can curate and create content, we see the greatest value in co-designing with industry and with our customers. And that's the process we're currently undertaking. And we invite all organisations to join that community and to become part of that co-design process. So they need only um, con uh, find a link for QTX, um, which is the portal uh, to QUT for all things, um, including the digital capability practice, and uh, they can uh, find a way through uh, to contact uh, someone from the practice. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, just searching for digital capability practice at QUT will uh, direct them to the right place. Okay, that's that's a good um, that's a good link. Um, so thanks, Mal. I've enjoyed that conversation. Um, lots of challenges there, which I'll enjoy exploring with you in the years, uh, I hope it is, years to come. Thanks, Kate. We could talk for hours on this subject. We, I we could, it. and I'm sure we will in the future. But for now, um, I say thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of QUT Exec Insights, brought to you by QUTX, Executive Education for the Real World. You can comment on the podcast or make suggestions for future guests at execinsights at qut.edu.au. We would love to hear from you. If you would like more information about professional development for yourself or your team, please search QUTX, that's Q-U-T-E-X, and you will find our full range of programs. I'm your host, Kate Joyner.